This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Nomad Futurist. This is your co-host, Nabil Mahmood from Kona, Hawaii. This is your co-host, Philip Koblenz from Montclair, New Jersey. You told me I need extra instruction. I can't help it. Tony Grayson from Bainbridge Island, Washington. And I am Aiden Grayson from Seattle, Washington. I think you guys have to fully recognize how special this moment is. This is the first time we've had a father-son duo and a nomad futurist <laughs> podcast. Um, and depending on what happens here, it could easily be, could be the last. <laughs> last. Well, based on what we know, Tony can talk and we have heard Aiden can out-talk him. So Let's see if the apple, the fall, we'll see how far the apple falls from the tree. <laughs> yeah. So looking forward to it. Tony, let's start with you. What do you do? Give us a, a high level overview of uh, your background and how you got to where you're at today in your career. Yeah. So I had a very different path to tech. Did 21 years in the Navy. My life's goal was to command my own submarine. And I did that. But I, of those four years that I was in command, I probably spent 70% of my time at sea. And I really wanted to spend more time with my family because... That's where I wanted to focus my time at. So I got out of the Navy and lucky enough to work for Facebook right off the, and there was supposed to originally run, was to run EMEA facilities, but kind of got taken off into more of the ISP, OSP design construction, and then kind of the operations on the side. And kind of at Facebook, I kind of realized that, uh, hey, I kind of know how this cloud and platform thing works because you don't know what a submarine actually has like 12 to 13 megawatts of IT load. So we have a substrate, we have an overlay, we have all this stuff that's very similar to what a platform operates at. I just, it was a bunch of different terms. So I kind of understood how the cloud kind of worked and how the software stack worked with the network with the just work with the physical infrastructure and kind of really started trying to learn more about that and go into it deeper. Of course, the barrier was kind of expensive coming from the Navy, they don't pay anything. And so I couldn't compete with the People like Aiden making two million bucks in stock and everything. And so we moved back up to Seattle where we wanted to retire after the Navy. And I was flying the Nerdbird down every week down to Facebook. And I don't know what the Nerdbird is, but it's an Alaskan flight, takes off like 6.30, goes down to San Francisco. It, it might as well just be a signed seat because you always sit next to your best friends. It's always the same people on the flight, same people going down on Monday, coming back on Thursday. But I did that for about six months and that was kind of why I wanted to leave the Navy. So got a chance to work at AWS and then at Oracle, great opportunity to kind of pick up their networking side. And then I kind of moved into the data center and kind of the cloud strategy side. But about a year ago, you know, I was talking to a bunch of mentors like Chris Crosby and Surreal and Brian and Doug and, and Randy. And it, I kind of was like, wow, Robin Kunda sold his business, Airtrunk. I'm like, man, I I want to try doing something like this. I want to try to make a product on this kind of stuff. So luckily enough, Chris uh, Crosby had a line of business that he was interested in, in kind of revamping, which was at that time called Edgepoint. So I came over to Compass about, you know, eight months ago, really kind of focused on what's the future of Edge and how do we solve the physical infrastructure for what that is. So that's what it is. We rebranded Quantum. That we're focused on really it's white space as a service or data centers anywhere or however you want to look at it, but it's just really giving people a rapid with the computer network. Outstanding. Well, for starters, I want to thank you for your service. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for keeping us safe, Tony. 
That's why we can't talk about the here. I have some great sea stories. Oh, we can yeah, totally we, talk we, about we, it here. We have time. Remember. Oh, well. <laughs> we'll get to that in, uh, in Nomad Futurist after dark. Growing up as a child, was Navy it for you? That That's what your passion was? My dad was in the Air Force, and so I grew up with that, but my grandfather was actually a, a pilot in World War II. So I grew up with World War II stories about how we shot down in World War II, about how we spent a month on a raft in the middle of the Pacific in World War II, how we found government on an island. I mean, you could make a movie about it. So I kind of grew up with that. The country, like there have been a couple of movies about it. Well, yeah, exactly. A little bit, a little bit different though. You get shot down in a plane, 14 days at a raft and wash up on an island. That kind of really instilled in me the country before self kind of thing. And so I, I was always kind of leaning towards the military first. And then this wonderful thing called Top Gun came out. And I was like, man, I got to go fly. And then I realized, oh crap, I have bad eyes. So I couldn't fly. So the next best thing to me was submarines. And what I really liked about submarines, it's really that last vestige of command where you're alone and not afraid. So in a ship, your boss is right there. Your boss's bosses can be linked in by satellite and be there. Same thing with airplanes. And so a submarine, when you submerge, that's it. It's you, you and your crew of 150 to 200 you're 38 years old as a CEO making decisions that are being the front page of CNN if you mess up or if you do it well, go back to the president and he reads him personally, he or she reads him personally. And so that's kind of what I really liked about the, the kind of nuclear Navy. Yeah, the thing that you really liked about it is what probably makes people pee themselves when thinking about taking that role. Were you into uh, IT and computers? It strikes me that you went into the submarine and then immediately made the shift to cloud infrastructure. And I get the IT load thing that there are corollaries, but... Is that something that you had an interest in? I'm an, I guess I'm, a, I'm definitely been a computer nerd ever since my Big 20 day or the, what is it, Big 20? Yeah. And Commodore 64 and Amiga and building and messing around with my own computers. And I used to cut the plexiglass in, put RGB before it was cool and overclocking it. And I still remember my first phase, my first phase. Overclocking it when it was an actual clock. Yeah, when it was an actual clock. Exactly, exactly. Get that one core up to... 200 megahertz or something, but two-phase cooling and all that stuff. I just love to eat the most out of that. And it kind of, and I like the engineering aspect. And so that was kind of how that all works together, how the software layer works on side, the compute storage always has been fascinating to me. Did you also like, did, did you always like to talk? I think, well, I don't know. I guess so. you, you think well, of, he was think the of, commander. Think of, when you think of a submarine, he must have seen start as the commander. Right? I, I, uh, but did you start as the commander? Uh, what, what are you doing this cell? You talk. <laughs> right. Well, you would think that you would go on the sub because you were antisocial. Uh, but then you, I don't know. Thing like, it's pretty dense. It's a pretty dense. Yeah. I look at that. on subs. I mean, the nuclear Navy, and I hope I don't offend anyone here, definitely does not make a lot of extroverts. They are a lot of introverts on subs, but it, it is, but it's, you can't beat it. You fly, you go around with 150 or close friends and, and crew, and you pull into port and you go out all as a group together and, you fight alongside each other and everyone here's, if it's, if something happens, it's all, you're all going down. So it's not like you're, you're in an infantry. Where it's and, and, uh, in, 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 in our business, you're like, in metaphorically, you're like, oh, if we all just get into the same boat and row in the same direction in your world, it's like, you're, there is no, that's right. And I can't, I, it's tough to describe for people outside, but it's just that teamwork, man. It really is. It's something that I, I have seen it out here too in, in the civil world, but it's just a little bit different. But in that team, you really are all running together and you really all have each other's backs. And it really, 
it, it's a tough thing to describe unless you're actually on there and doing it. It's like nothing, no culture I've ever met in before. So we've heard from well, King. Uh, exactly. I think if you can talk underwater, you can talk anywhere, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't, don't talk faster than your bubbles. Aiden, thank you very much for joining us. This is the first time we've had the father-son duo. We've heard a lot of great things about you. And your dad tells us that uh, you can out-talk him, so it might be genetics. He also uh, takes credit for all of your success. So let's, exactly. Uh, let's yeah, that. Exactly. The, the, the space needle speaks for itself. Let's start with getting to know you a little bit. What do you do? So I recently signed on to be a cybersecurity consultant at Ernst & Young, and I'll be starting that in September. I just graduated really? at CSU, actually, so... I'm happy to uh, kind of be in the so how how young is the son? So you graduate what, 22? Uh, yeah, I graduated a couple of couple of weeks ago, actually, less than a month. How old uh, are you? Are you 22 years old? Oh, I am 22, yes. Oh my god, 22 and 22. Oh yeah. my god. He came so close to being born on a leap year, and I wanted to screw with him the rest of his life. Just if he if he would have held out for three more hours, we could have been bored in February 29th, and he could be a much younger age. Right. Well, the I I think, and I'll let Aiden speak for himself, but I'm pretty sure you got a fantastic opportunity to screw with him for the rest of his life, whether or not he was born on a leap year. Aiden, take it away. <laughs> yeah. I, I also want to first respond to something my dad said. He, he said he loves building computers, yet for almost like eight years when I was growing up, he wouldn't he wouldn't touch them. I'd be like, Dad, we should build a computer. And then he would just, no, 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 I'll buy one. I'll buy a great one. And then he would buy it. It would be like, oh, just okay. And then I'd come out and I'm like, hey, you can build it like this. And he would totally ignore me. So I'm going to make that, <laughs> put that on the record, please. Well, that's when he was a commander. That's yeah. when you could buy them. He was building them when he had to find like the spare parts. And he was crafting <laughs> gears and gym sets out of props. That's great. So your dad tells us that uh, you had a startup company and some sort of exit. Tell, do you tell us about that? Yeah. So when I first got to college, I, I knew that I kind of wanted to work in sort of a technical environment. I always knew I had that sort of creative background. Even in high school, I, I love the arts. It's kind of like an atypical approach to like tech, but I always really enjoyed just having a creative expression and a creative way to kind of work, I suppose. And so when I found entrepreneurship, I found that it was an extremely creative process. I, I could go up there with a really stupid idea. I did have plenty of them. My dad can attest to this. I would try and pitch him something that just may not have just worked at all. But what I found in that uh, entrepreneurship is I could be a lot more like kind of open with that side of myself. I could approach things from a way that maybe hadn't been tested before or may just be totally unique. And so I, that led me into creating my first startup company, which was Shortcubby. And that was kind of a beach-based locker system for the San Diego area. For the area, it's like super, I don't want to say it's like dangerous by any means, it's not. But there's a lot of crime, at least by the beaches, just because of the amount of tourists. You get a lot of traffic down there. And people go to the beach pretty much every day. Like if you live by the water, there are a lot of people that'll go and just surf like every day, sometimes even twice a day. And they don't bring their like bags or anything. They don't bring anyone else. So the way that they would store their stuff was in their car. And they would, they would toss their keys up in a tree or hide them or whatever the case may oh, be. their keys in a tree. Yeah. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. who knows? But when it you, gotta go, you gotta go surf. I don't think the way you're getting home is really not your concern. <laughs> and yeah, we, we just, we tried to kind of solve that. My co-founder was the one who experienced that the most. I'm not a big, but we decided to make this beach-based like digital locker system and place them in high traffic areas and do it at a scale where we could make the, the cost really low. A lot of the areas or, or a lot of the, the storage solutions that were already existing, just either made by the area or made by the local government, were just larger items. And so we, we made a bunch of smaller ones uh, and we could charge like three bucks an hour. What happened thereafter? Well, 
we started to get funding, actually. So it, it took off a little bit by SDSU had funded us about 10K and just initial seed funding. Not a huge sum, but it was pretty great for uh, both of us because we could start the prototype. Adjusted um, for inflation, it's like $37 million right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <exactly. laughs> we, we put it all in gold, actually. It's a solid gold. So it, it's, it still maintained a pretty decent value. <laughs> But we, uh, we started the prototype. We, we got in contact with a couple of producers. We almost had a contract written up for a producer over in, it was Russia somewhere. And uh, we were writing it. Uh, right. yeah, it's an alphabet manufacturer. Were you, were you I, I guess you were not in the submarine outside Russia while he was signing that deal. That was the thing. <laughs> no, I was not. No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, that, that's when Elon was purchasing rockets. Right. <laughs> All right. So what happened, Aiden, they're off. Uh, so... That's kind of when stuff started to hit the fan with COVID. It got a bit dicey and we couldn't really reasonably ask people to go out and spend. So for like the initial like contract, we we're trying to partner with local shops and we're like, okay, we could probably get this to you for about 6,000. We had some math to kind of estimate how much foot traffic this would bring into your store. And that's kind of what the angle we were approaching it at. And we had some people that were ready to sign on up until COVID started really getting dicey, stuff was shutting down. And we just weren't able to secure much contract or secure any contracts. And the stipulation for SDSU at the time was, okay, we're not going to give you any more funding until you get a contract signed. And that was sort of the catch-22 because people wanted to see it. We couldn't buy it until they gave us more. And we couldn't really do anything there. We, we started talking to other areas as well. Like we, we spoke to a couple of incubators in San Diego and we, we were accepted by one of them, but they also had a lot of stipulations that we just couldn't really deal with. And so that, that was about my exit from the company. My, my co-founder is still doing it. He's, he's got like a different approach now, but it's more like a car attachable uh, locker rather than a uh, beach device. So growing as, as, a, as a, with, with, with Tony Grayson, this, this guy is a legend in our space. What led you to get involved in technology? I mean, was there a transition point? Like, sounds like you were into arts and stuff as well at an early on stage. What was the switching point for you? Well, I would say it, it kind of intertwined, I suppose. I was doing all that art stuff when I was younger, but I also did a lot of computer stuff. And my dad, like like he mentioned, he was out for sometimes eight months. And that kind of left me as the, the, the designated tech guy. Like every every family has one and I was that one. And so I ended up just kind of like fixing the, the moto when it was down or calling Comcast or making sure that everything was set up correctly. And that's kind of where my interest started. And then from there, it kind of just came into like, okay, I can start taking uh, CS classes in high school, started taking them in college, and that, that kind of blossomed in where I am now. But as much as I, I rip on my dad, and so, sometimes for good reason, oftentimes just because I'm joking, but uh, he he really did kind of inspire that in me because I, I would see like some of the stuff he was doing. I'd see his old computers and like, I was like, wow, wow why, why don't we go, you know, work on something like this? Why don't we start doing this? And it got me excited. And he, over time, he sort of brought me into the fold there with the, the data center community. And I entered with the infrastructure masons for a little while. And that was like a super eye-opening experience for me, partially because the tech was super neat. There's a lot of great people in the iMasons community. A huge shout out to Jeff Omelchek and Simon Allen. Great people. They got me really excited. But I also found there was a substantial amount of business, which was my major at the time. And I could find, I found that I kind of like could intertwine the two in a way that I didn't expect. And here I am now. <laughs> What did you oh, think, Tony? Of what did you think, Tony, when he said that he wanted to start a business uh, with a friend and and all that? Uh, I guess there's there's a multi parts to this question, but let's start with that one. And I think I, I I was happy. That was kind of at that time. That's what I kind of was leaning towards. Where I 
I like working in big tech. I had a great time at Facebook, AWS, and Oracle, but there's something to be said about working in a small and a small company and trying to build a business that you can look back on. So definitely encouraged on that. So who inspired who? Did he inspire you or did you inspire him? I don't, I think, I don't know. Maybe he inspired me. And then he decided to read Reddit though and invest in horrible stock and try to drive it up and go right back. Hold on. I stopped. <laughs> Well, let's hear about that. This is the act that Aiden, I'm just going to sit back. The string has been pulled. Aiden. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that was an interesting little experience there. So as I'm sure you, you might, may remember, GameStop and AMC at one point were, were going up quite a bit. And I, I had call, always kind of been casually interested in stocks, but I, I saw something on Reddit. and they, they, Reddit, they, Reddit stocks? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was Wall Street's bets. And I was like, oh, we could do this. And I got a bunch of my friends together. And we're, we put down like, for us, quite a bit of money. It was like, I think it's soon of like 10K total. I put down about a grand and it started making money, like a significant amount. It was like, we had uh, option chains set up. So we were each going to be like, the more it rose, the greater our chances of like, it was just exponential. The growth that we saw in like one day, I was showing my dad at one point, I'm like, dad, look, I just made $5,000. And he's like, oh, that's cool. And so what we ended up doing was like, okay, at the very end of the day, at the end of the trading day, we were like, we're not going to sell. We're going to double down. We're not going to sell anything. We had each made a hefty sum. Okay, it's going to go to the moon. And we had all like watched uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. Like, oh, that's us. We can, we can do that. Uh, <laughs> and immediately, the next day, yeah. immediately, it, it just tanked. It was like worth nothing. Yeah, and this is this is the all you can tell them is that that sell it, and they're not going to listen to you. Well, that's the uh, that's the old adage, right? I think this is this is what my second the second part of my question was, which is, do you try to guide him, or do you let them make their own their own mistakes? You always have to I, I uh, figure out like right, it, let them figure it out on their own. I'm a big believer, and and I'm not the person who made this up. It's man, smart people have to hit that ditch, and that's how they learn. And you can sit there and follow <laughs> me, but until they hit that ditch then they're not, but you want to prevent them from hitting the pole. And so this was seen even more like a ditch moment where we can learn that Reddit's probably not a great investment platform, that AMC and GameStop are definitely not worth whatever, like 50 bucks per, you know, per stock. And that, was it, what does it mean when the red light is on the stove? I don't know, son. Why don't you go check? That's a pole. <laughs> that's a pole kind of thing. But the, uh, the, the ditch kind of thing. But the funny thing was, he, uh, he put it out there and Variety Magazine picked it up and he got, I have never been in Variety Magazine. He right. Yeah, you can get as much, you can get as much exposure through negative press as you can with positive press. So, young Aiden, yeah. what did we learn? You have two experiences here that are pretty unique, right? You have this because you're, you're a crazy person that was raised by someone that gave you like unreasonable amounts of confidence, clearly. And, and you did this startup thing and then what happened happened and then you got the Robin Hood thing going. What did you learn? Well, I, I found that First of all, it was fun to tell my dad I was a, a CTO before he was. That was really fun. So that's a, that was a big. Right. So point. we learned we learned about ego. Okay. You no, know, that was a big one. No, but seriously, I learned like like you said, confidence. That was kind of something that I didn't really have going into college. I certainly had it, but it wasn't like to the extent I do now. And my own abilities, particularly when it comes to tech and business, at least I'm sure you're familiar with like, you have to pitch a lot with like startups, especially. You speak to people like Shark Tank. You have to do that to get funding. And so I found that within myself and that made me a whole lot more excited to enter the real world. And I also discovered that I should do some more research before um, really jumping into something. Better to make those decisions before you have to support a wife and a kid and the entire freedom of the nation. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> the defense rests. Yeah. Bonnie, um, what, what, what's your side of it? What did you learn from that experience? No, I think it, I, I would have, I think I went to the school from the academy. So my college experience was I couldn't skip classes. I had to show up on time. You, you double up on your hours and you had military training afterwards. So that was my college experience. So I, it was good to see him kind of fight himself at college, but also I, I completely agree with that entrepreneurship in that feeling to get out there and try it. Now I did think the Reddit thing was dumb. You have to know what, what you're doing when you do it. And I get it. And you should have sold that day we talked, but that's okay. What is, the old, uh, what is the old adage? You have to know when to hold them and you have to know when to fold them. Fold them, yeah, yeah. But that's so is, it was good seeing them. And, and to be honest, I've never been, I've never been that good at trading stock or day stocks and that kind of stuff. And Aiden's taught me a lot about that kind of stuff too and how you can watch it. I just, I don't have the attention span to sit there and stare at a computer screen and, and get to that kind of stuff and watch it all the time. It, it's not, it's not for the ADD in me. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm pretty bad enough with sport. Well, one question. Uh, did it ever occur to you to follow your dad's lead into the, uh, into the military? Was that, was that something that you saw as a, as a, as a, does it, does it seem like fun? I did actually. For a time, there was a point where I wanted to, I, I didn't want to join the Navy. I wanted to be in the Coast Guard. And I thought that would be like a super great experience for me. With that said, I, I think I, I ended up just continuing along with my my ed education at SDSU just because I, I wasn't sure if I could really fit in with that sort of structure. Like I asked my dad a lot about it and he would say like, oh, we had to march for lunch. And I'm like, well, hold on. Um, Are you saying you didn't make your own son march for lunch? It was only for the, that was your son, was your little soldier, man. We had to, he had to do a hundred pushups before he could eat. And then whenever his room was messy, hundred pushups and some burpees in there too. So we tried to simulate a little bit. He's doing burpees while you were still burping him. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, there you go. How many siblings do you have, Aiden? I have two siblings. Uh, one is in college and the other one is a junior in high school. And uh, they're joining us now. <laughs> are they, are they interested? Are they interested in the same industry? Or they've got a different direction. There. I, I guess I, I've been moved out for a while now, but I, I can say that my little sister. have no idea. <laughs> must have some idea. <laughs> well, I, I do. It's just like my little sister is going into like social work. And so I don't think she'll be entering this industry anytime soon. But my little brother, he's still kind of figuring himself. So I think my dad might be better, better equipped to answer that one. Are you going to try to, are you going to try to uh, fix all the mistakes you made with Aiden? <laughs> uh, I am not. I think one place said they got to hit that ditch. I'd rather have him <laughs> earlier in the He's going to be in the ditch earlier and earlier. He was starting a business at six. Exactly. <laughs> I got him on every day. When are you going to start your lemonade stand out there? You should be out there selling. Feel like your brother. You're not, you're not, you're not leaving this house without at least one bankruptcy under your head. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. or, or one bad stock acquisition. <laughs> exactly. So, Tony, 2016 was to last command, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. 2016. I, so I got out pretty much right after my command tour, you know, was, uh, got out, won the Stockdale award and what a greater place to go out and the Navy than, than kind of riding high like that. So do I, do I miss it sometimes? Yeah, I do. Like I said, that teamwork and that kind of alone and unafraid and out there doing missions and that kind of stuff I do miss, but I love this field. I think it's super interesting and I think the sky's the limit. So from a very structured life for roughly about 20 plus years to Facebook. It was through your chair. Yeah, I would. So I was very lucky where I, yeah, I didn't talk for long, right? So mm -hmm. VP of data centers at, at Facebook, he's like, well, 
Tony, I, I, you think what you're doing, but you don't. So you're not allowed to make any decisions for six months. And so, and what he was trying to do is I've seen all these operational problems before I've led in the Navy, but it is different. Even though it looks similar, it's different. And so during those six months, I was to get acclimated a little bit to that kind of after the transition. And I think it was hugely important because I would have made some dumb, dumb, dumb decisions at Facebook or tried to lead more like the military or you name it, it wouldn't have worked out well for me. So I am super glad that Facebook allowed me the opportunity to kind of grow into the role and kind of understand what, how things are different. And they're very different on the outside. You landed Facebook anyway. Did they, did they, did they find you in, in the military? Did you have some set of experience other than your Commodore 64? To be honest, I think it was, and I, I hate to say it, I think it was a Stockdale award. So the Stockdale award got me noticed by them. And then I was a sh- for the facility side and I'm used to running submarines, running data centers and the facility side is no different. But then it was this competing kind of priorities of, can I also do this other stuff? And so that stuff they needed me more to do than the facility side. But it, the bad thing was we've been trying to move overseas forever and that facility job was supposed to be in Dublin and we were excited to finally get overseas. And the previous time we had gone overseas, we were in, in Bahrain for three years, which was awesome. Happy to be there in Bahrain for three years, but we always wanted to kind of go to take kind of that Europe. And so that instead of, so it would have been curious to see if we would have been in Dublin instead of San Francisco, what would have happened. You see, uh, you get, uh, get we, we have people on the podcast, right? And they talk about how they've went from one career transition to another and you kind of take it and it seems in, in the moment as though they're the ones making all the decisions because it's their careers that go from one to another. And you rarely get the opportunity to see it from the inside. So like, what was the family discussion about these career changes. I have to imagine, knowing Tony, I'm not sure, but I have to imagine in general, it was good news that your father was not going to go on tour and leave for large, long stretches of time and he was going to be home. But were you guys involved in a lot of these conversations? Dad comes home and he's like, I'm joining Facebook, which I assume you you knew because that's where you talk to all your friends. You generation, you don't know nothing. Write them a letter like the olden days on a typewriter. Or by hand, cursive. Do you guys still learn cursive? They, so, they do not learn cursive. They do not. They, they do not. not. It's just a bunch of squiggly lines. It looks like the ocean. So uh, what, how does how does the family react to that? Well, I, I guess I could kind of say that there was a whole lot of discussion, at least uh, within the family. So like anytime there was a, a major decision, it was kind of like informed beforehand. It, it's hard to say that you can give an eight-year-old like decisions about like what, what your parents are going to do for work, but to the extent that you could. Look at Facebook, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram is where it's at. I did tell him like Facebook is, is super. It was the rate of the time is the Cambridge scandal when he was started working there. And I would ask him like, hey, do you have any like issues with that? You didn't answer that question. But in terms of like uh, <laughs> everything else, he certainly was very open with it, especially with like bigger moves. Like, Thanks behind. for ruining the political system, Tony. <laughs> hey, I... I did my part. Thank you. <laughs> Aiden, what's next for you? I mean, right. you're starting at Ernest & Young. So what, what's, what's next? What's, what's the, the next five million plan for you? I, I don't think I'm, I'm too out of the, the woods with entrepreneurship. It still has me. I, I just, I, I've been working with my mentor and I can't talk too much about it, but we're, we're trying to start something up there as well. I have a mentor who works at a large VC and we're, we're trying to do something. I met him over at RSA last week uh, t- too. And we were just talking to people there and we networked a whole lot and, we got some people on board. And so I'm, I'm looking to hopefully continue that to the extent that I can, depending on what EY says about that, but hopefully continue along in the cyber path, maybe go back into data centers as well. It's kind of just open. The world's an ever-changing place and 
I don't know. I thank my family and especially my dad for kind of exposing me to that change early so I can be open to, you know, trying something new in an area I didn't expect to be. Yep. And so if, you're, if you're hiring, he also knows networking too. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at that. He's still trying to get another job. <laughs> Do you feel the price of one? If he wants to win those networking and software and cybersecurity. is the side hustle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A- a- any any particular reason why you pick cyber or any other sub-verticals within the, within the technology industry? So I, I can answer a little bit of that. Aiden was a simple hat person. Aiden's convinced the government sp- is listening to him right now and the aliens are going to get him. Hold on just a second. There's no was. I am a tinfoil hat person. And I, <laughs> I've always kind of been like that, even from a young age, not like a to like an insane extent, but like I was always like, hey, so let's let's. So if you imagine a 10 year old having a conversation, dad needed some money, we need money for, well, I need a VPN. Mm-hmm. You're 10 years old, we need a VPN for, I don't want people spying on me. So this is back, how far it's gone back. It got me interested for sure. The par- it was like paranoia by any means, but it was just kind of like a fascination of like, well, hey, how do I, how do I make it more difficult for things to be tracked? I don't know. Was your was- dad was your dad working for the people that were spying on you in the tinfoil hat? Like, how does the the tinfoil conspiracy? You have a navy man at the helm of the family for like twenty years, right? So they're the ones that the conspiracy is against, are they not? Well, you, you see, I, I watched a lot of documentaries, uh, one of which was Ancient Aliens. And I, I knew from that uh, that, that uh, series that uh, my dad wasn't really the one in charge or making those final cuts. <laughs> He's just like, a cog. He's a cog in a wheel. He was the one who has control. He didn't wear the tinfoil hat. So I was. So I, I was totally good. But my dad, I was trying to work to get him out of that. You wouldn't understand, Dad, while he's manning the nuclear, nuclear submarine. You wouldn't, you don't even know. You don't even know. You don't even know. Dude. Yeah, it was underwater, Phil. <laughs> How does that even work? How does that even work? You can say there's a man on the moon too, right? Sure. Sure. The moon, well, that's I, mean, I think it believes landing was faked. Right, Aiden? The earth is flat. The moon landing isn't real because the moon isn't real. Um, uh, this, this award is losing its luster. Oh my God. <laughs> I, can, you, can they rescind your position in Facebook? Oh, what is his name? Uh, Chris Crosby. Chris, we, we have to talk about this investment. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I think we got an answer. We found where the edge is. <laughs> There's four edges. There's four exact edges. I, I, I'm a round earther. I'm saying eight inches of flatter. <laughs> right. It's, I get, I, amazing. You get to have it both ways. You get to have it both ways. One of you is definitely right. I will go yep. as far as to say that. I guess the jury is still out. Well, my dad could attach. I like to instigate those kinds of conversations. I'll be like, so Globeheads, and I won't even refer to them like as their names. Globeheads. Globeheads. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tony, we learned, we learned about globe heads and we learned about, what is it? Uh, nerd, nerd fly, fly nerd, air nerd. Oh yeah. Yeah. What was that? Air, air, nerd. air, air nerd. No. What, what do they call it? The nerd, uh, the, the nerd flight. The nerd flight. And, and so the nerd bird, the nerd bird. There it, you go. It, it exists. And I think there's like, everyone has their nerd bird. It's just the berry is just too expensive. Right. So nerd bird. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tony, you, you, you certainly had a very interesting career. What what are some of your key strengths and lessons that you have learned that you will you you'll tell Aiden and other other children that are, or, or kids rather? Well, actually, Aiden's gonna Aiden's, Aiden's not gonna listen anymore. You tell kids that will actually listen to you. I I think there's a couple of things. The first thing is is kind of you got to have grit a little. That you will, no matter how successful you are, get you'll. <laughs> 
you'll fall on your ass a little bit. And what makes you better is learning to not mistake and picking yourself up on continuing on. So I think it, grit is a big thing. I think really trying to separate your ego from yourself is another big thing. It, it's interesting. It Why do you actually run presentations past people to get their buy off? It's because you don't want to look like you're wrong. What's wrong with being wrong? It's, it, not everyone's right all the time. So I think it's trying to separate yourself from that ego piece to to really focus on what's important and and take incremental steps to success are really- At the record show that Tony never runs his presentations by anyone prior to delivering them because who cares with me? I didn't say anyone. I just said, don't spend a lot of time running it past people. Get everyone together, get their incremental feedback and move on. I'm a big believer too now in, in kind of the qual rock and never run. And I never really understood it because everything in the past has always been build the airplane once it's been taken off, but you waste a lot of time on a bunch of stuff that's not important and you don't really fail as much. So I think kind of crawl, rock, and never run is a huge one for me right now too. And you can even see it on on Quantum too. I I definitely had a, a gearing towards when we were making the MVP for this, for our beta, that I wanted this diamond encrusted technical feet that could fly and walk on legs and do a bunch of other stuff when what's an MVP? It just needs to be, get out and demonstrate the product. So that's kind of also been learning. And sorry, I'm kind of rambling. So hopefully, <laughs> no, this is good. Rambling is good. Yeah. Don't let the so perfect be the enemy of your you job. That's, that's exactly so it. Let the perfect, the perfect be the enemy. Focus on the 20%, not the 80%. It's it, all this kind of stuff. I never, we and Tony can go on the road and he can ramble and I can succinctly create a bumper sticker out of the ramblings. I think, just, I think this could be a show. <laughs> This is what Tony, this is, be, this is what Tony actually means after having <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it. I'll have a little oak tag or, you know, a little cardboard. <laughs> yeah, I go like Aiden, from your perspective, what have you learned? From my dad, I think a lot of the stuff that he just mentioned, he kind of instilled within us. Certainly that grit, we, we did move around a lot. So it was tough, but he kind of instilled that both in myself and my siblings. And then I guess from my own experiences, knowing how to fail, but something my dad also mentioned, but like, I think that's something that I kind of need to experience firsthand to kind of like know what failure tasted like and then kind of how to recover. Like with entrepreneurship, I'm sure my dad can certainly attest to this with quantum. You're expected to kind of mess up sometimes. Granted, you don't want to like mess up so bad that you can't ever recover, but taking a chance, taking a risk and having it be calculated is super. And I find myself being a lot more confident to take risks going forward. Granted, not stock risks anymore and I don't buy on margin anymore, but everything else I try and make it calculated. What if it's a sure thing, Aiden? Well, sure thing. Reddit is going to be, I'm telling you, I got it. Oh, sure thing? I'm, oh, sure thing. They, uh, I, I'd be this, interested. There's yes. the, this, this tinfoil manufacturer is going to start mass producing hats. What was the name again? It's called Reynolds Metals, but E-M-E-D-A-L-S. The, I have a, a question about what it was like growing up in, in, in a military family. So I, I imagine it was out clearly difficult for you and your siblings. I can't, I have... COVID kids, basically, they're, they're, they're five and nine. And right now, if I leave the house for three hours, I'm getting inundated with, where are you? Why aren't you here? What, 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 what is happening right now? So it's, 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 it's crazy. Do you think, did you look at that differently? Did you, did you, was it, did you struggle with it at any point or was it just the reality of your life from the time you were born to the time it ended? So you just didn't know any different. And do you look different upon it now than you did then? Well, I, I can say for most of like growing up, up until I, I moved out for college, I was pretty okay with it. I like, it was uh, just kind of a part of life. I, I, the only thing I had really experienced was that. And like, I had two great parents. I rip on my dad, but I love him. He was great. Uh, he is great. And um, 
<laughs> yeah, sorry, I put you in the wayside. I'm sorry. Let the let the let the record show that Tony Grayson is tearing up right now. Big man <laughs> is weeping like a child. <laughs> and I, I guess it didn't really hit me until college that it was so abnormal to be okay with just leaving something behind. Like when I got to college, it it would would have been the longest I've ever been in one place. It would be San Diego. And that was kind of like funky to me because I was like, okay, well, now I have to set up my life. And I had never at any point kind of had to do that. Like there was certainly like you, you would do that every three or four years, set up a foundation and you build up from that. But it wasn't like firm enough because I always had that understanding that I'd be leaving in a couple of years and it was okay. And so when I got to college, it kind of made me a bit antsy because I'm like, okay, what if I mess up? What what if I do something wrong and I can't recover from it? And I, there's no out from that. I'm, I'm there. Like I'm stuck there. Yeah. Um, and how many high schools did you go to? I went to three high schools, <laughs> so it wasn't too bad, but that was kind of when it started to, I guess, get a little nerve wracking for me. And it thankfully worked out well in the end. So ironically, it became more, most nerve wracking when you didn't have to move. Yeah, actually. Um, it, it, how it, was it for it, you, Tony? I think it's, I honestly think that's one of the superpowers of military, to be honest, and, and veterans is in the military, you switch from job to job every two years, you get dropped in you got to figure out how to do it how to excel at it. So, you know, that makes him, it makes it very easy after you kind of learn that it's a little bit different on the outside, kind of moving into the, into the, the civilian sector, but also trying new jobs to see where your place is and what fits best for you. Cause you can just pick stuff up pretty quick and, and get up to speed and within a couple of months. So that's kind of, kind of the big takeaway from learning so much, but and to be honest, this is why I got out though, was three, three high schools. And I, I felt bad for that. It's not something you want to put your kids. Yeah. Hey, and, and say it's, I see it now. My, 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 I, it's nowhere near your experience, obviously, but we moved right from, from one place to another. First time my kids moved and we're trying to get settled and they changed high schools within the same town. So not nearly the same, but even just the fits and starts with social interaction, with relationships, with friends and all that. It's just, it's, it, it has these developmental hurdles that I don't think you can really properly uh, quantify. So the way you guys have. Um, handled it is is not only incredible, but has really likely turned into a superpower where I think it's it's caused your confidence. It's caused your ability to handle adversity in a way that I think other people your age would probably shrink. So congratulations on not shrinking. I don't know what the, yeah. the point I think, but we got to get, we, we, we gotta get Phil out of Jersey. Oh, hey, there's another 40 mile move. Th there's no, there's no question about it. I need to, I need I just, somebody needs to invite me on a submarine. Can I get on the submarine just for like five seconds? I guarantee you I'd start. I'd no, I think it'd be, I, yeah, I do think there's, there's opportunities we could have for those kind of distinguished visitor cruises. I think it's worth to get kind of our sector out to actually see what the Navy is. You could do the army too, or whatever. I mean, I think all of them are equally is good, but to see what those people are like, and those people are out there, some on food stamps, doing what they can to defend what we're doing right now. And I think it's, it's great to learn from them and, and hear from them and, and talk to them. I mean, I think you could read about it, but until you're actually on a ship or kind of in a regiment at, deployed and talking to, talk to those kids, it's, you get a di very different perspective. Yeah, one of the things, uh, one of the things I, I, I noticed like uh, about Israel specifically, like Israel is a place where so much new technology comes, comes out of them. And there's a, the confidence just exudes from this really person is otherworldly. And you have to imagine that that has something to do with like the, the, the required military um, action, right? Yeah. And I, there's something to be said for that. Cause I've had plenty of people on my submarine that were they might've been in jail or they might've lost their way. And they're, they, they stayed for four years and they get the college paid for. And 
they came out of there and kind of focused and they needed that. So there's something to be said, I do think for that, for spending a little bit of time in the military, for that structure and, and kind of really understand what you're, you, what you have and what you're fighting for. I think it really does matter. Yeah. Discipline does help cooperate. Well, this has been absolutely phenomenal. Thank you for joining us, Tony, Aiden. This was the first father-son deal. Interesting. Again. I think we can do it again. I think uh, we should. Got, absolutely. Much better than I was he's expecting. Got, he's got two other kids. So I think let, let's do another one next week. And then part three. We'll see. And then the no, wife. We've well, never had a husband. <laughs> you're not the wife. Exactly. It'll be, it'll be the family show. Right. Um, <laughs> the, the, the boxes on Zoom will turn into like the Brady Bunch by the time. <laughs> exactly. 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 So Aiden, uh, I, I want you to uh, share some takeaways. Uh, you, you know, have had a good start to your career, great guidance from your dad and exposure and opportunity within the data center space and technology and I'll get into cybersecurity and you got a great career ahead of you. Key lessons, key takeaways and anything different that you would do if you were given an opportunity to do it all over again. Well, I guess I, I kind of mentioned it before, but not being afraid to fail that's kind of the biggest takeaway I've taken uh, from this experience is like running headlong or headfirst into something that you really feel passionate about is, is a feeling, first of all, it's like no other, but also one that you're able to kind of understand a whole lot more just by jumping in with reasonable, obviously don't do something that's really stupid, but also like taking that risk and then making sure that you take in every you know detail of the, uh, the new environment that you're in. That's one thing. I guess with uh, entrepreneurship, being creative, taking a new approach to something is something that I feel like is kind of underrated. Obviously, everyone says try something new and see how it works. But I think to really try and innovate, you kind of have to uh, listen to those crazy ideas, the ones that may not be like super feasible now, but could be developed into something that could be a potential application or a new use case for something that already exists. I think sometimes people people fail to see how creativity uh, works in in our space because you you think that creativity is kind of on the flip side of like the the part of your brain you need to use to understand technology and really they're so interrelated because we're just scratching the surface of trying to find solutions to problems that you know we think are inevitable but really are not. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Yeah. So Tony. Uh- I, I can't imagine the feeling that you have right now with having a son like Aiden and him starting his career and his journey and him being successful. What are some of the key takeaways for you? Would you do anything different in your personal career and, and, and being a father uh, um, and seeing him excel? No, I, I'm super happy the way. Other than, other than moving to Dublin. <laughs> other than that, yeah, that is the one takeaway. It's trying to get overseas sometime, but I, you know, I, you know, the takeaways, I wish I would have, I could have spent more time with them. He turned out great. In fact, they all turned out great. I was going to wait for the butt. Like, <laughs> he turned out great. What <laughs> <laughs> a three, eight bed that gets you the whole thing. I was getting 33.3%. Bad at three, 300 ain't bad, but it's, I, it's just super exciting to see him come out and go in that field and kind of following that technical field. Cause it, it's great. Cause a business background going in, but also with the love of that, kind of the technical field and, and doing that kind of as a, as a, on the side too, it's, it's, it's hard for me to see it. And it's, it's in my daughter too, is going into kind of social work and she's going to, you go to NYU, she's going to NYU right now and go get her master's in social work to go take care of people. And so kind of watching your kids grow up and getting out there to, to give means a lot to me, I guess. And so it's, I feel like I've, I've done well. <laughs> It, no matter what happens, I get in it from whatever success you get at kind of in our space. I think it's trumped by what your kids can do. Aiden, any interest in joining quantum? Any, any interest in joining quantum? I've asked him. He's like, <laughs> and he said, no. Don't me the money. 
Yep. It's worse than a no. We'll be like, oh, well, I'll think about it, Aiden. And I'll think about it. What? Maybe you could submit your resume to, uh, to HR. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Aiden. They screened you out, bud. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'm going to I also want to apologize for one thing. I, I just noticed this. Aiden and I are, did not cut coordinate our shirts, and I apologize that we we actually have different shirts in the Grayson family. It just, it, I don't think you do. Clearly, <laughs> clearly there was a sale at Old Navy. Uh, sharing and, one shirt, like one right. large one. I got the bottom half. He's got the top. It's it's like the, it's like Muppet Man. It's like Muppet Man. <laughs> we, We're probably the only family though where the youngest son gives the oldest son all the hand downs. Oh, yeah, right. Throws out of him. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah. and it still remains in fashion. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. This has been great. We had the first father-son duo. Tony, Aiden, thank you very much for joining us. The Graces. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back. Currencies will rebound. Businesses will go on. And we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com.